Hey, Daniel here. Got a special guest again, kind of becoming a regular on the show. Might have to bring him in as the third co-host sometime soon. Rob Pincus. How you doing, Rob? Great, Dan. It's great to be here. This is, uh, uh, really, you guys are up-and-comers here. You guys are, are fast-growing, one of the most listened-to uh, casts that I get you know mentioned. People tell me they've, they've heard our recent one talking about Fit Shot. Uh, they've gone back and heard the uh, the earlier ones we've done, the interviews about training in general. And uh, I see you guys mentioned on the Facebook a lot, and I just think it's great. You guys are doing a great thing. Cool. Well, our listeners actually get to hear your voice this time. I don't know what was going on last time with that cell phone, but it uh, should be a little bit better this time. Well, the thing is, traveling 300 days a year, we, we sometimes have to improvise. You happen to catch me uh, at home base, so uh, yeah, better audio quality, good deal. Yeah, I didn't know there was a home base. Yeah, well, there, for a while there wasn't, but uh, I got a little bit domesticated here recently, so yeah, the uh, there is a home base now. Domesticated, nice. Rob got on Twitter, if you don't know yet, uh, it's at Pincus Rob. And you can go follow him on Twitter. Uh, you have to do it. He's always stirring a pot somewhere and uh, giving some good information and answering questions for looks like everybody that asked him something. Well, yeah, it was kind of like out of nowhere. So I, I, I resisted the the Twitter for a long time, and just because you know you have so many content mouths to feed, right? It's it's between uh, you know joining you on the show or or posting on the, the Facebook page or you know putting something into my own newsletter or. or Personal Defense Network, obviously. I was doing a uh, writer's event for Winchester uh, covering the PDX-1 ammunition, and we were kind of all sitting around, and, and all of the media people were, were talking about how they use Twitter for this or Twitter for that, and the uh, the advertising people actually put it together at a Chevalier Advertising were really saying the same thing, kind of like, you know, you do everything on the Internet. You're, you're constantly on Facebook. You're constantly putting out emails. You're, as you said, constantly interacting with people, answering questions. Um, you really need to be on Twitter. So I thought, all right, well, let me try it. Well, you know, two weeks later, I was at, you know, close to 1,500 uh, followers. Um, it's been about about two and a half weeks now, and uh, it's been great. I really like it. It's, it's a great way to interact. It's a great way to be able to put out information, put out links. Um, you know, people are doing the retweeting and everything else. So uh, I'm still learning the lingo, but uh, definitely glad I added it as a, a way to communicate and a way for people to communicate with me. So at Pincus Rob. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, I, I, but I take it in spurts. Like just every once in a while, I'll, I'll get on there, steady for a month or two, and then not be on there for a while. And then I got lazy and just attached it to the Gunfighter Cast Facebook page. Actually, you know, I did the same thing. I I now when I use. I, I did it from Twitter to the Facebook page, though, and I've noticed it really spiked the conversation on my Facebook page. So for those people who are on the Facebook, I have one of the profile pages that I started you know, a few years ago, and it maxed out um, sometime last year at, at that 5,000 kind of weird arbitrary cap. So I'm switching everybody over to the teacher page. It says Rob Pincus Teacher. Um, that's a public page, and it's not uh, limited. So I'm switching everybody over to that this month, too. So I am kind of shaking it up. I've got a new website coming out at icetraining.us that we're actually launching later this week, um, probably about the same time that, that uh, this, this podcast goes live. So check out icetraining.us, um, opening a new online store that's actually powered by uh, DGG Taser. So we're going to have a full service, you know, everything from holsters to belts to pants to flashlights, uh, plus, obviously, our, all of our online course registration and everything else on the new website. So it's kind of an exciting uh, internet time here at the end of September. I posted on Facebook the thread from the Firing Line forums talking about the article on the HK MP7 uh, in Recoil Magazine. I caught on to that from seeing some chatter around Facebook, and then I saw Rob was on top of it. And then I actually went and read the article. I was very disappointed. I really, really liked Recoil Magazine. Uh, I wanted to keep liking it. 
I still want to keep liking it, but I, I just can't allow myself. Rob seemed like he wanted to vent, so he said, hey, can I come on and let's talk about this. I did give him the open invitation to always come back, so here we are. Let's get at it. Well, yeah, you know, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. We, we I, I don't know that everybody, you know, in the, in the industry was excited about Recoil Magazine, but I don't think anybody felt anything bad about it. Nobody had any ill will for it. Some people thought it was cool. Some people thought it was not cool. That's fine. That always happens, right? Any magazine. Personally, I thought it was was great in that it really took a different approach. It took a more modern, uh, younger approach to covering firearms in the industry, and I thought it was really going to uh, be a great service to a growing part of our our niche, which which I call you know they're young gun owners, and whether they're chronologically young or they're guys in their 30s or 40s that. Uh, didn't grow up with guns who are now new to guns and you know they're into three gun and they're they're probably in the first person shooters and they're probably into following some of the younger instructors you know some of them don't don't know what gun sight is but they certainly know what you know chris costa's doing or they certainly you know they're following what what's being said and what's being done in the forums talking about uh, the guys coming back from the military and who are starting up training companies and things like that you know coming back from from deployment so this younger, kind of hipper, cooler generation of shooters certainly needs to be addressed by our industry. And, you know, some of the more traditional print magazines don't do that. Um, Recoil was definitely setting itself up to do that. I thought it was a cool format. I, I thought it made a lot of sense. You know, unfortunately, um, it looks like, you know, they, they put someone in charge of the magazine that was a gun enthusiast and had, you know, some, some love for guns and love to shoot. And by all reports, he's a great guy. Um, but at the end of the day, he he may have just when that magazine started to grow, um, now in its in its fourth issue, may have been in over his head uh, in regard to really the, the topics he was covering and being able to speak about them appropriately for the audience that that they had created. Recoil was basically to me the FHM or Stuff magazine or Maxim of the gun world. You know, basically guns and ammo hasn't changed a whole lot since I used to read them in the you know the nineties. This thing came out, and uh, it was like for the gun owner 2.0. Early 20s, early 30s, 40s, definitely goes on. But uh, coming at it with a, an approach of a typical magazine that we're used to reading that is interesting, that is selling well, you know, that's some pretty cool stuff in it. And, of course, it also had the girls in it, which is, uh, I guess, good. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I completely got the format. I thought it was very cool. You know, people have now gone back, and they, they've sort of said, well, if you look at it, the, mag, the articles are very superficial, or, um, you know, there were, there were five articles by one guy or a bunch of staff reports, quote-unquote. They just weren't so serious, you know. They weren't so serious and boring like a lot of the other magazines. That's why I wanted to keep liking it, you know. But well, not a, you know, not every magazine is going to be for everybody, and not every podcast is going to be for everybody. Not every article I write is going to everybody that owns a gun isn't going to like every article I write somewhere or some video I do at Personal Defense Network. That's fine. But where we really hit, you know, there may be some people listening who don't really know the whole the whole deal yet. Of course, we can they can Google it and check it out and read everything that, that's been said. And and for me, um, I think that the real, you know, the, the the issue here is is one about understanding the fight that has gone on uh, for our Second Amendment rights, understanding the work that's been done and the roads that have gone that we've gone down in order to keep things like this concept of a gun needing to have a quote unquote sporting purpose to be available to the average citizen to be the average gun enthusiast, the average shooter, the average person interested in home or personal defense. So the gun in question is the MP7, uh, you know, specifically MP7A1. They were doing a review of it, and the editor, um, Jerry Sai, I believe is how his name is pronounced, T-S-A-I, makes a comment 
And uh, the comment is specifically, I'll quote it, like we mentioned before, the MP7A1 is unavailable to civilians and for good reason. We all know that that's technology no civvies should ever get to lay their hands on. This is a purpose-built weapon that no, with no sporting applications to speak of. Well, that sounds like something that you would read from the Center for Handgun Violence or the Brady Campaign blog or something. Not from a gun magazine. No, it is exactly the language used by the gun control advocates. The insinuation that firearms are about hunting or the insinuation that firearms are about gun games, the insinuation that it's about trap and skeet is their trick. That's their... And that we can't trust. Like this guy basically said he agrees that we can't trust the civilian with this gun. Well, and this is, this is part of the problem. When he comes out after this, this over the weekend creates a, a stir, um, I was teaching all day Saturday, saw a little bit of it Saturday night, got on a plane uh, six and 6.30 in the morning on Sunday, and that's when I really got into it, and that's when I launched my open letter uh, to Recoil Magazine, along with a picture of me holding an MP7, uh, which I was using during a, a military class with a military unit that uses them, and... Uh, you know, my, my statement was to say I disagree with your thoughts on the MP7 would be an understatement. In case you didn't notice, the only reason Glocks, M&Ps, and probably most of the guns that are paying for advertising space in your magazine are built to uh, are built is to put down bad guys. People may find sporting purposes, quote-unquote, for them, but gun games aren't why they exist. If Wired or Maxim said what you did, I wouldn't care. You should have known better. You know, and I think that's really what the the way most people felt when they read that. It's one thing for Time Magazine to to parrot the gun control advocates, but for the leader of what would be uh, a leading publication in this industry to say that just shows that that he really doesn't uh, understand the niche. He may not understand the history of the Second Amendment fight over the last few decades, and and going through the '90s and having to live with that sporting purpose issue. He may not even understand the evolution that the shooting community itself has gone through. You know, I can remember when I first started going the shot show when the 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 full auto law enforcement guns had to be you know shown in a separate area, so hidden. The even Benchmade had to have a, a private room for their automatic knives, yep. switchblades. Uh, back in the early days when I started going, you know, now the tactical law enforcement has been regularly the f- the fastest growing section. Uh, the NRA is embracing defensive shooting, which they never did uh, in the nineties. Uh, the nat- they may even soon refer to them as weapons at some point. Yeah, they well they're leaning that way. You know, the the reality is that that our industry isn't hiding behind this. Oh, we're just hunters and sportsmen thing. That for some reason, you know, the the generation before me thought was a good idea. Um, they they yeah. apparently in the 80s and the 90s, you know, the early 90s, before I really got heavily involved in the, the industry, and, and even as I did get involved in the industry, there was really a very walking on, on eggshells attitude towards the fact that guns are for defense. Well, obviously today we're 180 degrees for that. And for, for a magazine that, that really every single thing they featured on their cover, 90% of what they featured in their magazine is related to military-esque weapons, military weapons, personal defense weapons, law enforcement weapons. Um, they aren't covering a lot of trap and skeet and upland bird hunting in Recoil Magazine. So the whole sporting purpose idea really just... It just—it's ignorant. It was an ignorant comment, and unfortunately, the attempt to justify it that the editor made uh, on Sunday, when he said that you know, hey, come on, we can all agree this is to protect our you know law enforcement brothers in blue, um, because this round, these this thing can fire rounds that go through soft body armor. 
well, either that was the most disingenuous attempt to hide behind, you know, the guys who are, who are protecting our communities, or the guy really doesn't understand that a .30-06 bolt-action hunting rifle will shoot yeah, body armor off. Well, any rifle round. And, you know? I mean, yeah, exactly. So the idea... Ridiculous. Uh, that's the whole thing. Like, these are uneducated, un- out of touch. Yeah, it's it's again the I, I believe this guy was just in over his head. I believe he was put in a position because he was a gun enthusiast. You know, they 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 are a conglomerate uh, of, of titles. The the publishing company that that owns Recoil Magazine publishes I don't know you know fifty titles, and they the the only gun magazine is Recoil. They saw a growing niche, just like History Channel, just like you know a lot of other Discovery Channel, just like a lot of other um, mainstream media, so to speak, have seen a potential for revenue in the shooting community as the shooting community grows and as we have really won the uh, the popular contest on whether or not we need more gun control or whether guns are appropriate or whether personal defense is appropriate you know we really almost with the exception of a couple open carry law changes we've really won every legal battle uh, over the last uh, 15 years for sure approaching 20 years um, we, we really are, are on the, the rise so when mainstream media says we can capitalize on this, we can make some money on this, unfortunately, again, they put a guy in charge who really isn't one of us. And and being a gun enthusiast and being a great guy isn't enough to lead one of the publications that, that wants to be, you know, leading the industry. I mean, you look at guys like Roy Huntington, you look at guys like Denny Hansen, uh, you look at... Uh, you know, uh, Colonel uh, Brown, you know, these guys that are leading the magazines, uh, American Handgunner, SWAT, a Soldier of Fortune for the last couple of decades, these are guys who, who understand our industry. They understand firearms, and if they didn't understand something, they wouldn't talk about it. They'd go find an expert writer to talk about it for them um, because they're more than just gun enthusiasts, and, and you need more than just a gun enthusiast leading uh, a national-level publication. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, you know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking... You know, I'm not a civilian. Been in the military for 15-ish some years, and the people who listen to this show, I'm offended for them. Uh, it, it pisses me off to assume that just because you're a civ- civilian and you have that much power to zip through soft body armor, that you have no business having it, and you are evil, and you're going to do evil. It's just again, like right in line with everything that we know to be untrue, know to be against. And like you said, he's clearly out of touch. Doesn't have it. Tell us about the rebuttal. You know, when he, the way he came back. Uh, because I've had a few people, as I've engaged people about it, like, well, they said they're sorry. You know, let's, let's give them another shot or whatever. You know, if he came back, that saw the light. Someone brought me back. You know, and realized what I'd done. Uh, complete and utter. I was wrong. This is why. Apology. You know, I might pick up the next Recoil magazine, but. You know, that wasn't the case. No, it really wasn't. And, and you know, now we've seen, uh, you know, Magpul, uh, I understand Bravo Company, several other advertisers, we, uh, people like uh, Jim Fuller and, and Travis Haley, who, who have been covered in the magazine uh, and, and definitely been fans and been closely associated with the magazine at one level or another. These guys are all saying the same thing, that, that you know, uh, they're not going to advertise, they're not associated, they don't support uh, I think several of them have specifically said that they believe it's it's appropriate for uh, the editor to to step down uh, because he specifically uh, you know seems to be the the source of the problem. And I think they like like myself and like you said um, really do feel that it's a great format and it's a great concept. You know, one of the I got a letter uh, that I, I took the guy's name out and I told I asked him permission. He said it was great. He had no problem with it. But I posted it. Um, you know, there's a dump recoil magazine uh, Facebook page now that that you know is approaching a thousand likers and and lots of commenters and stuff. That's kind of putting out the the central news on who's dumping as far as advertisers and who's saying what. 
Well, I posted there, and I think this, this letter speaks to the kind of people that you're hearing from and that I'm hearing from, which says, let's give the guy a second chance. So let me just go through this real quick. It says, uh, hello, Rob Pincus. My name is, I'm a sheriff's deputy in, uh, I'm an avid shooter and firearms enthusiast just as you. I purchased Recoil Magazine and have read the article on the H&K. While I completely disagree with the editor's statements, I can't help uh, but think that he was extremely misinformed and uneducated on federal laws, their import, and transferred to civilians. While I will probably continue to buy and support this magazine, I do not think it is beneficial for the firearms industry to crucify the magazine based on one article. Yes, maybe the editor should step down, but I do not see how Second Amendment supporters crucifying one of their own is beneficial to our industry. And then he goes on to say, you know, the editor made a mistake and did not carefully select his wording. Had he not used the wording he did, and had he instead stated the gun is simply not available to civilians in the U.S. market, this would not be an issue. Um, the guy goes on to say, you know, he, he appreciates me as a leader um, in the industry, uh, but he's actually a little disappointed that such leaders have chosen to take the forefront of crucifying a magazine, which has made an excellent effort at expanding our industry and voice. We've all made mistakes. I know I've been in trouble numerous times in my line of work for saying something before more carefully choosing my words. My response, because um, I thought that was a very well thought out letter, and I thought it represented a voice that is trying to sort of defend Requel Magazine, and, and it doesn't want to see it go away. So I said, you know, I appreciated uh, his time and the well thought out letter. And I said, you're correct, and we agree. If he had worded the article differently, there wouldn't have been no issue. The problem isn't how he worded article or the article, it is how he handled the first opportunity to clarify, apologize, or retract. Instead, he tried to justify the position. At the end of the day, as many leaders in the industry have stated now, it isn't really the magazine we're speaking against, certainly not the intent of the magazine to create a hipper or cooler new gun publication. The problem is they picked a guy who may have his finger on the pulse of what a growing segment of the industry thinks is cool, but doesn't really have the depth of understanding or experience to lead it. Uh, we've all made mistakes, but I'm sure that we've all also been held accountable for those mistakes. At the end of the day, the price the editor pays may have to be pretty high in order for the magazine to get past the mistake they made in putting him in a position to fail. You know, I, and I, so I understand these guys that that think Recoil Magazine is cool and want to see it survive. But I think that we also need some accountability for its leadership. Absolutely, I agree. If he would have worded that differently, it'd have been okay. But it's not that he worded it differently. He worded it in such a way to emphasize the weapon's deadliness. And as it relates to, since it's so deadly, it should not be in civilians' hands, even the uh, law-abiding civilian type, you know, and that's some strong language. And then he came back and he started to talk about uh, how this is what H&K told me, this is what they said. So now you're telling me that an editor of a magazine does exactly what someone mentions to him, and like, let me just write down whatever they tell me to write down, and let me do that. Now, I could see if he if it was a piece of technical data. He got a max effective range wrong. He got a rate of fire wrong or something like that. And he came back and said, hey, that's the information that I got from the expert or from my source. I apologize for it being wrong. No big deal. But this is um basically not just a piece of technical data. This is a whole outlook. This is a the foundation of, you know, our current fight for Second Amendment rights. It is. And and again, it wasn't it was the justification afterwards. That was really the the kind of death blow for my, you know, attempt to to show support for, you know, the whole entity right, you know, as it stands right now and certainly for the editor himself. Um, you know, people will make their own opinions. Obviously, a lot of advertisers have already decided to pull their advertising at least until uh, the, the the leadership has changed, uh, maybe forever. You know, I, I've been involved in in print media in this industry for you know well over a decade. Uh, been involved heavily in in the online media and and 
you know, DVD production and television shows. I can tell you that the that is no small number that has been pulled from their revenue. Uh, and only four issues old, they're going to have to do something pretty dramatic to make up for that amount of revenue that's been pulled from them. Uh, the, the 16 extra guys going out to Barnes & Noble and buying the magazine is not going to keep that magazine on the shelves. It really is the industry that's going to have to uh, support that magazine. Magazines are, are largely supported by advertisers to a, to a degree that really can't be made up by a couple of extra people rallying around the publication that they want to save. So without replacing those advertisers or um, doing making some changes to bring those advertisers back, uh, unfortunately, I really don't don't see how they'll survive. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, I'd like to see Recoil survive. I would. I'd like to keep reading the magazine, uh, and I think if they immediately took swift action and brought in someone else and uh, straightened things out, and uh, basically relieved or fired the current editor, you know, I'd pick up the next magazine. I would, depending on how they handle it, uh, and maybe you know, PR that goes on statements. Yeah, I think, and I think I'm in the same boat. I think a lot of other people are. My biggest issue is. You know, you and I know the current fight. We know the trends. You know, I don't go back as, as far as you. I wasn't involved in, in the Second Amendment fight as I am right now 20 years ago. I was more involved in other things. There's so many new gun owners right now. There's so many new people coming into the fold, you know, and learning what it is to be a responsible gun owner and an armed citizen on a daily basis. We can't have someone coming in and just picking up this new hip magazine and taking all this stuff for basically gun gospel. And this is how we all think. This is this is the voice, and because obviously it is popular with the with the you know gun owner two point Oh yeah, I think and I think that's an incredibly incredibly important point because that's exactly what we're seeing now. When you when we go to the the recoil you know uh, social media sites, we're seeing a lot of support ex- expressed for the magazine and a lot of people who you know and and this is not a a negative thing. And I got into a little trouble myself Sunday morning. I'm I, I don't know you know you gun gun owner two uh, you and I know what that means, but honestly, a, a lot of people um, that are more, you know, been around the industry a little bit longer may not understand that terminology, may not know what that means. We're talking about people who, who are playing uh, the first-person games. We are talking about the people who go to the three-gun matches. We are talking about people who will take a rifle class in, in full kit, you know, using uh, guns and optics and gear that may not have anything to do with home defense or any professional use. They're just, they enjoy it. They're hobbyists. It's fun for them. That's what they want to do. I have nothing against any of that. I think that's that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's great. You're a gun owner. You're exercising your rights. You own the guns. You go out. You compete. You go out. And you you go through these uh, these classes uh, that that may or may not you know be teaching skills you could use for home defense. But but you're you're learning to shoot your gun and you're having a good time. Those people are listening to Recoil Magazine, and when they read someone saying, oh, well, if it doesn't have a sporting purpose, if you can't go out and play three-gun with it, if you can't go out and hunt with it, there's really no reason for you to have it, they may just think that's okay. And certainly if they see Magpul and if they see Bravo Company Manufacturing and if they see all these other leaders in the industry supporting that voice, uh, that sends a, a really bad message. So. You know, I think that's where we are. Is we, just, we need to make sure that's not the message that's being sent to Gun Owner 2.0. Yeah, I hope nobody takes uh, me saying it negative as gun owner 2.0. I consider myself part of that crowd. You know, I've always been a gun owner and carry, but I, I didn't, you know, get really active in it. I consider myself part of that crowd. There's plenty of others that I can think of right now uh, that are very young, uh, like myself. Thank you, Daniel, for saying you're young. They're very educated, man. They, they fight every day. They're writing awesome blogs. A lot of the very popular gun blogs out there that are actually engaging the Second Amendment fight and uh, basically beating the crap out of the, the antis, they're, they're young. They're early 30s. They're out there. And so don't think uh, we're mean anything negative by that at all. 
No, in fact, um, we've got right now some of the, the the guys who are doing some of the busiest work inside of my combat focus shooting program are in their 20s. You know, I'm calling them the, the young guns of combat focus shooting. We've got guys on the West Coast, you know, uh, fully tatted out. we got guys, uh, you know, on the, the East Coast wearing, you know, uh, ridiculous sunglasses. And, and I, don't, I, can't even, I can't even keep up with these guys. i got one guy who wears skinny jeans on the range for no, Christ's sake. No, no. Yeah, I got a skinny jeans guy. But, you know, hey, they're teaching and they're doing a great job. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel old sometimes. With, but, uh, but, you know, I, I don't care what your age is. If you're, if you're serious, if you're educated, if you're uh, compelling in your argument, whether you're online doing the political fight through a podcast or through a blog or you're on the range teaching somebody how to prepare to defend themselves or others when they need to, um, this, the age discrimination thing uh, trust me, I fought against it. I was one of the few guys that started in this industry in his 20s. Uh, you know, the, a lot of guys that, that are the leaders in this industry over the last four decades, the private sector training industry, are guys who, who got out of law enforcement or got out of the military after long careers or full retirements. And this, you know, training was really their second career. Um, you know, I dabbled around, tried a couple different things, including, you know, some, some time in law enforcement. But this is what I wanted to do. You know, I, I went into this full time still in my 20s. And, uh, now that a lot of other guys are too, and there's there's really nothing wrong with that. And uh, you know, I, I can remember you know getting all getting all fired up when I, I got the first couple gray hairs in my goatee, so uh, you know I, I wouldn't look like I was twelve. And uh, you know now I don't have any anything but gray hairs in the goatee left. But uh, you know, at any rate, it, the, the the age discrimination thing is not what this is about. And I I've seen some of that online too. Is oh well, you guys just don't like recoil because it's it's for young guys. Well, that's not the case. You know, I read Maxim and Wired too. And uh, I was excited about Recoil being the gun version of uh, those magazines. Yep, yep. All right, so, uh, well, that's all the bad things that have happened in the last couple of days. What else you got, Rob? What's going on? Oh, man, there's too many good things. Just got done with a uh, broadcast class with uh, Gander Mountain Academy. Down, I was down in Florida on Saturday. Um, that was awesome. You know, the broadcast classes we run um, through their networked range system. They have six ranges that are all tied together through uh, some high-speed uh, video audio capabilities, so I can actually address all six classrooms at once. Um, we've got, uh, they've got an incredible staff there at Gander Mountain Academy, and uh, several of them, about two dozen of them, uh, went through some instructor development training with me, and almost 20 of them got certified as combat-focused shooting uh, entry-level instructors. We called our dynamic defensive handgun class um, for introduction to defensive handguns, and those guys then take their classes to the range, and of course, I'm with the, the group that's at the flagship uh, Florida location, and I take them to the range, and we do a, a six-and-a-half-hour class that's uh, really cool. So we, we had that. We're doing another one of those December 1st. Uh, so any Gander Mountain Academy, you can sign up for that and train with me either live or, or uh, via the net. And then uh, what else we got? We got Combat Focus Shooting Instructor Conference every year. We get together. I've got uh, We're going to have almost 30 instructors uh, at one level or another. We've got about two dozen active instructors and a couple instructors working towards their active status uh, there'll be end-user classes. Um, we do all of our annual updates. Uh, some of the guys are, are kind of get certified in our advanced pistol handling class or our carbine class. That's coming up in two weeks in Columbus, Ohio. There's also some end-user classes that go around that. I'll be down in Florida teaching uh, at the Ancient City Shooting Range for about a week in uh, November. This is always a slow time of year for me. I don't do the back-to-back classes like I do in the spring. And uh, I've got a new book coming out uh, Counter Ambush Training Methodology, a uh, new book, lecture DVD series, and some online training opportunities uh, for people interested in the science and the explanation for why we teach from a counter ambush standpoint instead of an on balance standpoint that's more traditional. I was going to say what I've done this past week and what I've got going on, but it's not near as interesting. 
my, my highlight was uh, I got some magazine pouches and a new utility pouch from a plate carrier. Now, are you, is this private purchase or did you get something issued? Oh, private stuff. I don't use the stuff they give us, man. It's the Marine Corps. They give us like garbage, you know? So some people are like, why do you buy your own stuff? They give you this because like, they give us garbage. It's like if you go work for – you're a mechanic and you actually care about being good at your job, you're not going to use Walmart tools. You're going to go get Snap-on or Craftsman. That's kind of the way I see it. But uh, I hear you, man. That's, uh, that's good. So what would you go with? Which magazine pouches? I shop at SKD Tactical. For everything now, because as soon as I order stuff, it's like uh-huh. five minutes later, it ships and it gets here. Nobody else has gotten stuff here this fast. Uh, a few random perks, a couple companies I've never went with before. Uh, if they end up not sucking, I might talk about them, you know, on a, a later show. Basically, I went with the uh, M4 pouches with magazine pouches on the outside of the pouches. It's just single M4 pouch or M4 mag with a single uh, or actually a double side by side the pistol magazine. And what I, the reason I'm doing that, I'm throwing those on the cummerbund. And uh, I've got a uh, Safari Land quick quick attach system coming with their uh, military holster, which you can holster your M9, M9A1 with or without a light, and it'll receive it. Still have that same hood, that ALS system they use, which I, I've learned to really like that. And I could slap that on uh, right. on my chest or on my my cummerbund on the side. I want to get rid of the belt. I'm tired of wearing belts. Uh, body armor as we we carry more stuff. Uh, I can't get down to magazines to do reloads of pistols when I'm using the secondary. I'm going to drop the belt altogether, drop the whole drop leg thing altogether. And I've always hated having stuff on my legs anyway. It's, it's all right whenever you're, you know, you're doing something swattish and you're only out for, you know, 12 hours at a time. But, uh, you know, after, you know, long, long operations wearing that stuff, it, it sucks. So Yeah, I, I, and honestly, I think it gets in the way. I think keeping everything up high like that, as long as... You know, as long as you're, you've got it weighted right and, you're, and your balance is good, the uh, having it up high is going to be a lot more accessible to your hands. That's where your hands are when you need this stuff. It's up high. You're not going to be reaching down to your legs. Movement's a lot easier. You're a lot more consistent going from the vest. I think you're, uh, think you're spot on. Some of our older vests, I was just fine wearing a belt. Uh, but the way that things are made now, there's just not room to go down to the belt. And, yeah, it's faster. And uh, that quick attach system, everybody always says, oh, you got to get a, a Serpa, you know, because you can put it on your belt and you can pull it off and put it on your chest if you're, you know, the driver of a vehicle. I don't like my passengers to have chest-mounted pistols pointed at me if they have to draw. <laughs> but I don't mind the driver having it or something yeah, like right. that. You know, in some situations, I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, not when I'm on the left side of them, I guess you could say. I'm not a fan of it, really. From I don't like you can't go prone and everything else, but a uh, different story altogether. Totally different show. People are always look overlooking the uh, the Safari Land, and they're always like, straight up to the surf. Anybody listening to Gunfighter Cast knows that I hate the surf, and I love Safari Lands. But and see, and I and I, I like them both. Um, I think I think that that ALS uh, system is 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 really good. It's really rugged. I think for uh, for law enforcement use or for uh, you know people that are just shooting out at the range, I think the Serpa uh, offers a great a great option. I do like the the modular uh, opportunity to move the the gun around if it's appropriate. But like you said, it's not always appropriate to be able to go for, you know up to the chest when you're when you're dealing with a crowded vehicle. Well, you know, I was thinking about even you uh, getting one on for my my Sig that I got coming and just where I can carry this on my side and then just pop it right out and use that same holster. Uh, in my car, just have the holster sitting in my car, right. in my Jeep, just sitting right there, drop it in there when I'm riding down the road, go back in the house, it goes back in my regular holster, I go in somewhere, just, uh, you know, for basically long distance car carry. Cause, uh, and you just brought us full circle, distance. because I uh, we were talking about Twitter at the beginning of the show, and I just, uh, this morning, my Twitter feed put out a link to a video about uh, vehicle storage, and I show that exact uh, that exact option, having a hard point inside the car, where you, you disconnect from your belt and put it right on your hard point. And uh, if you're going to be sitting in a car for four, five, six hours, that's certainly the way to go. That's cool. I'll check that out. Well, that's uh, 
that's pretty much it. That's, I hope we got our point across without sounding snobbish, because that wasn't the intention at all. You make your judgments however you make your judgments. Well, I appreciate everything you do. Uh, obviously, you know, your service and all that, but the extra service that you're doing here with Gunfighter Cast, it's always a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Rob. Gunfighter Cast out.